after these messages we'll be right back i can't believe i ate that whole thing are you in good hands and now a word from our sponsors hello everybody welcome to after these messages bringing you hot takes on commercial breaks that's right we are talking commercials. We're talking about the good ones. We're talking about the bad ones. And we're talking about the ones where people say weird shit like this. My hoo-ha is full of joy. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Has. I probably drove him over there with my spicy seed. That's Genevieve. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of tape that I accidentally caught during last week's episode and I just wanted to celebrate. It sounds more risque than it is. It really does. I put this as a little Easter egg in the end of uh, last week's episode. <laughs> I probably drove him over there with my spicy seed. You were talking about, I saw that the neighbor, we are next to a, uh, a business and it's like a flat roofed business and I'm on the second floor here and I can look out my window and I can see eye to eye with the roof next door and there was some guy out there with rat traps and I said oh it looks like they have a rat problem and then that's when you said I probably drove him over there with my spicy seed yeah because we were getting rats or mice some kind of rodent in our bird feeders and uh, I think one of your listeners actually a TBTL listener uh, said that if you mix in like a like a hot sauce mm-hmm. with the seed that um, rodents will stay away from it and I found that to be very true so I mix I now I mix in um, just Tabasco sauce with just whatever bird seed I'm using and it seemed to have solved our problem but I probably drove them over there with my spicy seed no I got it in the clear twice <laughs> uh, that's not what we're here to talk about today um, we as promised are going to dip into the old mailbag we're putting the ad council in control today right that's right uh, as we always do when we have uh, run out of creativity. <laughs> that's not true. We just had so many emails yeah, and that's emails actually kind of coming fair, in. In fairness. Although, you know, I, I said emails and emails, but the truth is I don't know if we... Oh, I think I have one voicemail today. So I'd like to reiterate to people that we are looking for more voicemails. I mean... If emailing is best for you, that that's fine. But I love hearing your voice. So you can also call us at 607-444-5597. That's yeah, it's a multimedia world. That's right. For, you're a uh, multimedia girl. Do you want to sing it? I don't know okay. what the tune of that is. I thought you were singing Material Girl. Well, I guess that's sort of what I was referencing, evoking. 607-444-5597 is the number to call. Without any further ado, let's get into this. Got a box full of letters Thinking my life to read Some things that you might like to see But they're Genevieve, our first email comes from our friend Jenna, who's been listening to the show for a long time. She's I know very Jenna. That's right, and she's very active on the Facebook page. I got a note from her. I don't have the exact thing in front of me right now, but she started it by saying, "All this time I've been using the wrong email address. No wonder I <gasps> oh, haven't been no, getting any responses." <laughs> I know we've shared some of her content on the show before, but it must sure. have been all the stuff that she posted. I, to yeah, Facebook. I definitely. We've definitely used Jenna. We weren't ignoring you. I would love to know what Where's email it going? she was yeah. using and like who, what the reaction was on the other line uh, or on the other end of that line. Because um, I think we tried to get after these messages at Gmail mm-hmm. and it was taken. Yeah, so somebody's. I think it is somewhere because I wouldn't have 
added show to it. I, sh- I wish, I, in hindsight, I think we've talked about this. I wish we'd done after these messages pod. Yeah, probably but better. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but water it is, under the bridge. If you want to email us, it's after these messages show at gmail.com. And I don't think you saw this, Eves. This is pretty delightful. Jenna says, I was just listening to an episode of Gastropod, a podcast that looks at uh, food through the lens of science and history, and I was thrilled to learn all about a really wild advertising campaign for baby carrots by Bolthouse Farms. Here are a few links to some of the ads. I'm going to play a bunch for you, but first, a little bit of background. So I didn't know this. Or maybe I did and I had forgotten it. But, you know, the little packages of baby carrots that we can buy now, those weren't around until about the 90s when there was one particular carrot. Like there was somebody who was in the carrot industry who realized if I have any kind of misshapen carrot, anything that doesn't look like a standard Put it on a lathe. <clears throat> yeah, we got we to gotta feed it to our horses or whatever because people are not you know, interested in buying ugly vegetables, essentially. So if it doesn't look like Bugs Bunny would be chomping it, you know, it basically was treated like scrap. So he's tried to do two things. He cut some of them to one inch little things and then rounded them out and he called them bunny balls. <laughs> Those didn't take out. But then he cut them into two inches and rounded them out a little bit and called them baby carrots. Right. And those really took off. Yes. Apparently, in the decade after they were introduced, carrot consumption in the United States, I'm going off the top of my head, I think increased by almost 50%. It's the only like kind that. I want to eat. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, the, it, I'm actually opposite of that, but I know a lot of people. I understand are like that. that it's just a carrot that's been like shaven, mm-hmm. shaven down. But like something about the texture of the exterior is better to me than like whatever the rough texture of a, you know, a full carrot. And it is. It's like it's very sort of snackable. I'm actually the opposite. I know I'm in the minority here, but um, I find that they get slimier quicker. And so I just like when I think of them, unless it's a brand new bag, I think of like opening them up and I kind of don't like the rounded consistency. I prefer like either just chomping on a big carrot or cutting it. But um, obviously more people feel like you feel, which is like it's a much easier snack food. You can throw them in your bag, take them to work, yeah. eat them at your desk, if what they get a you. little slick, you can always rinse them. So anyway, so you have these baby carrots out there, and they really increased carrot consumption, but then it started to plateau. I think maybe it may be there. Uh, oh, well, I'll tell that you That must when. be in some Harvard Business Review like case study of mm-hmm. like amazing, you know, Marketing yeah. innovation. So it's about 2009, 10 maybe. And this one uh, company, Bolt House Farms, they're trying to figure out how can we get people excited about carrots again. And they worked with uh, – Jenna sent this really long article that was fascinating. They, they tried to employ a bunch of different creative agencies and nothing was really working. So then they turned almost, I felt like, as a last-ditch effort to uh, a company called Crispin, Porter, and Bogusky. I think we've talked about that oh, before. Oh, yes. They are, they are a giant in the industry. And um, they decided that they were going to – they did a bunch of market research. Like apparently somebody who worked on the campaign started like kind of skulking around people's kitchens and like would like – see how kids reacted when they came home for snack time. Like, what did they rush to first? They didn't rush to the refrigerator first. They rushed to the cabinets first for the junk food. And if they did go to the refrigerator, then 
they never saw the carrots in the uh, vegetable drawer. Like it was invisible to them. So mm-hmm. at least if baby carrots were out of the vegetable drawer and just sitting on a shelf, maybe the kids would go for it. So that was the basis for this whole campaign. They wanted to treat baby carrots. Instead of advertising them as a healthy alternative, they actually went the opposite direction. They tried <laughs> to advertise them as junk food. Wow. And this is a quote from Jeff Dunn, who was the CEO of the carrot company, not the ad agency. He says, everybody else was pitching baby carrots as an antidote to junk food. Where Crispin came out was almost the exact opposite. We want to be junk food. So they made several parody commercials uh, treating these carrots. The packaging, they were served in these bags that looked like potato chip bags. They had various ones. Some wow. that looked like Doritos bags. Others looked like other kinds of like pretzel bags and stuff. This one. This, what a dumb species we are. Yeah, right? This ad actually doesn't go for kids. Maybe I shouldn't have started with this one, but it was the easiest one to listen to without having to see the visuals. This is an ad for Bolthouse Farms uh, baby carrots that is taking on, uh, it's like a parody of those sensual chocolate commercials. In this, we see a woman in a black satin dress, I believe, kind of like, kind of rolling around while she's eating these carrots. Brought to you by a bunch of carrot farmers. Indulge the most tasteful of your taste buds. Baby carrots, baby. (laughs) Feel that feeling. You know the feeling. Overt sexual innuendo indulge the most tasteful of your taste buds you already said that oh baby carrots and then at the end it says eat them just like junk food and then that bag that you see they're packaged in really looks like a bag of chocolate right now right? did they really sell them in these bags or I is that part so. of the joke or is no, it I believe just a joke? so yeah I think okay. they had a whole bunch of different bags this one was like kind of to geek gaming culture this one is really hard to describe it's got a kind of a bunch of futuristic imagery it almost looks like it takes place in a chamber not unlike that X-Men chamber where Professor X, is that his name, Professor X? Yes. You know how he puts on his helmet and he can see things in the big chamber? Cerebro. It sort of takes, uh, it, it takes place in kind of a, that kind of a setting. Okay. It's not X-Men related in any way. Brought to you by a bunch of carrot farmers. Behold, the future of crunch. <laughs> it says somewhere in the future and one person is kind of uh, bolted down in a chair. It's very intense and the person is blind. Yeah, it looks like they're about to sell man. me a very strong flavored gum. Yes, it's like one of your hurdy gum commercials. Who's there? Enter fantasy of every teenage nerd. Initiate crazy expensive special effects. Okay, so now there's some sort of futuristic lady who comes out and stands on a, she's a like balcony. Sex, she's like future sexy with black lipstick and like a crazy punk haircut. And she stands in front of like, I don't know, like four or five giant megaphone types of things. And she bites into this carrot. And these megaphone things are aimed right at our hero. Expensive special effects. Futuristic cliche complete. Eat them like junk food, and then they'll be carrots. In futuristic junk food packaging. That one is way less effective. Because it's I don't not know a specific what, parody. What are they yeah. referencing? Yeah, it's like they, I mean, they, they're referencing some things. And I guess the gum ad would be the closest thing that there is to it. I mean, I think it is supposed to be like um, that five gum mm-hmm. sort yeah. of. Yeah, but they, right. But it feels like muddled. Yeah, it is a little bit harder. And I got to say, that's why the chocolate one, even though it doesn't really do a good job of talking about advertising to children, which was my original point, 
it's the most clear-cut kind of parody, right? right? It, you know exactly what they're going for. I want to see... Um, Did So how was this effective? You, you know what? I was trying to figure out, because I, I, um, I threw out a stat before that said after they created these baby carrots, I said that I think the, the sales of carrots went up something like 50%, and I'm starting to wonder if I was wrong about that, and I just <laughs> found this article here, and I was trying to fact check myself on the fly, but uh, we can correct it next week. It's just more hashtag content. Right. Um, okay, here's one. This is I fully, though, believe that baby, the invention of baby carrots mm-hmm. was an incredibly uh, powerful uh, marketing product, marketing you know innovation. I wonder how effective this particular Crispin Porter campaign was. For I Bolt said House. increased by fifty percent. No, it doubled. In the decade after baby carrots were introduced, carrot consumption in the United States doubled. Right, but that's from the baby yeah, carrot that's, invention. That's not, yeah, that, but, I, but that's what I was referring to before, yeah. and I thought I misspoke. But actually, I think I, I said increased by 50%. It increased by 100%. Wow. So that's really amazing. And then they started to plateau in like the 2010s, and so that's where this campaign came in. This one is, everything happens so fast I wish they would one. do, they should do one that's like a, fl- like a joke on flavor blasting. You know, like, but but the idea that it's well, naturally sweet. Let me well, let me skip ahead to one. They actually did th- this next one. I'll, well, hold on. They actually flavor blasted some carrots. Before <laughs> we get to that one, let's actually just play this one. This is like kind of making fun of a Mountain Dew style extreme commercial. I think it's a little bit much. We see some guy. He's like skiing down uh, some sort of a you know snow peak, but instead of with skis, he's in a. Uh, grocery cart he's a young man he's wearing a helmet and then as he's coming down the mountain there's some woman with how would you describe that kind of a gun not a, like a modern gatling gun style like machine gun stand yeah and she's firing baby carrots at him as he's coming down the mountain and this is supposed to be like extreme junk food doritos meets right. mountain dew brought to you by a bunch of carrot farmers baby carrots baby carrots whoa baby carrots One of the carrots goes in his mouth. Anyway, that's just a bunch of noise to our listeners. I, again, don't love that one, but it's kind of, it's very clear what they're going for. But they literally did create a, a line of these carrots that had artificial flavors dusted on them, Genevieve. They I really cannot, sold them? I, that is my understanding. They were called baby carrot shakedowns because they were shake, they were like, they would shake flavoring on them. In this commercial, I don't know exactly what this is parodying, although it's kind of a, you know, it'll seem like a familiar trope. We see a nerdy neighbor and he's peering over his fence at his neighbor's yard and the neighbor is having like a cool pool party oh, and like there's a, a bunch of cool sort of people there. Sort of like a there. nosy yeah. loser living next door. And he's got a police officer. He's clearly called in a noise complaint because his neighbor is having this fun, cool party. Only everybody is eating these carrots, but they're also shaking these carrots. And again, that's because of the flavor blasting. This they're, is a good object lesson in why you always invite your neighbors, no matter how irritating, to a party. Because otherwise they'll call the cops. Yeah, especially and if they don't like you. Then your carrot party gets shut down. That's right. Or does it? It's my neighbors. They're just shaking their carrots right out in the open over there. So all these hunky people have these bags of carrots and they're shaking them up. I Again, I think to get the flavor dust all over their carrots. That dude's bathing suit is very low. Yes, it is. You like what you see? Well, it's quite a bit. Wow. It's, it's, it's quite a lot for a carrot commercial. And you think it's a coincidence that I paused it there. 
long as those are fresh baby carrots with natural seasoning. I can't touch them. It's ranch. Super good. There's another cop there, and he's eating his ranch-flavored baby carrots. New baby carrot shakedowns from Bold House Farms in ranch salsa and chili lime. How nasty does that sound? I mean, those flavors aren't bad if you have a like a dip, you know, like mm-hmm. like in a crudite uh, plate. But the idea of like putting it on as like some sort of dust that's in the bag yeah. with it is kind of unappealing. And then un- you shake unappealing. up the bag yeah. so it's evenly spread. Yeah, that doesn't sound uh, good to me. I, I although, thought it would have been better, though, if they like kind of played with the idea that they're naturally dis- naturally delicious. Right, you I know, agree with you. They're so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. No, I agree with you. Um, don't add a bunch of junk to your carrots. By the way, Jenna also said, speaking of carrots, there's this McDonald's UK commercial that has a super adorable little girl who's saving her carrot for the reindeer. So this is a Christmas commercial. It's a 90-second ad. We'll have to kind of describe it as we go along. But we see this really cute little girl with her dad, and they are sitting in a McDonald's. And, you know, this was clearly advertising McDonald's more healthy kids meal, whatever. So she had gotten the carrots, the baby carrots. uh, But she saves one carrot at the end of her meal. It's the holidays, obviously. You're going to eat that? It's for the reindeer. So now we see this montage of them making their way through the streets back home. She's carrying her carrot with her out in front, being very careful, cupping the carrot, protecting it. She's going to give it to the reindeer on Christmas Day or night. There you go. Thank you. What's that you've got there? It's for the reindeer. Come on, let's get on the bus. Taking the bus home. She's falling asleep, still protecting the carrot. It's for the reindeer. He's talking to a woman who's wondering why the girl is gripping the carrot. Hey, guys. They're home now. It's for the reindeer. Oh, that's so thoughtful. Now her little brother is like... Her big brother. Her big brother, I should say, is like, what the heck? You brought home one little carrot? I love that. You know there's more than one, right? And now the parents sort of look at him like, what have you done? So now the dad and the little girl are back in their car. And now they're driving to a McDonald's. They're going through the drive-thru. Please get a bag of carrot sticks for the reindeer and a cheeseburger for Father Christmas. Daddy, Father Christmas only eats mince pies. Just the carrot sticks then, please. Now, that is admittedly a cute commercial, but I have two two important points here. Number one, who the hell, when they need carrots, just goes to a McDonald's? Yeah, well, a dad get... who wants a cheeseburger. Right, okay, I guess. So he's going through the drive-thru he's like, just oh, to get no, a bag of carrots. He's like, oh, back to McDonald's, like, we go, I guess. As opposed to going to any store. Secondly, do you want to guess why this bugs me a little bit? Um, it's just, it's very treacly. But what is it that specifically bothers you? It's related to a new concept I had for my own brand that I told you about a couple of weeks ago while we were waiting in line for breakfast with our friend P. Fletch. I said it was going to be my new affectation that I was going to be the guy who carries a carrot everywhere. 
Oh, right. You did say that. Remember, that that was my new thing. Only mine was going to be a baby character. I can't believe I didn't commit that to memory. (laughs) I thought it would just be a good character trait. Like if, because I don't have a lot of character, basically. People forget about me pretty easily. But (laughs) if I'm the guy who's always carrying a carrot, like Bob Dole always carried the pen, only I'm always carrying a carrot. Right. It's always something to talk about. I'm what? 25% 25% more interesting. But he did that because he got shot up in a war. I know. I'm not trying to diminish that. Or something. That. Yeah, it is true. It was a war injury. But I'm, I'm not trying to diminish that or make fun of that. I'm just saying that I, I should be the carrot guy. I think that's what people need from me. It is most assuredly not. What would you do? What would you do if I actually, st- like, if I truly believed what I'm saying right now Ugh. and I really felt like I need a personality crutch, like I'm going to be the carrot guy? I would have you. Could com- you stay with me? I would have you committed. Or murdered. <laughs> you would commit to having I'd me murdered. I'd commit to having you murdered. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, thank you. I wanted to share um, Jenna's email. I, I loved that. That was a great little journey. Yeah, to thank on. you. I am very excited that I did not know about that Bold House Farms um, carrot com- uh, campaign. And I think that's fan- fantastic and super interesting. It's interesting that it's listed as a Bold, ho- Bold House Farms, but they... All of the ads said brought to you by the Carrot Farmers of America or they something. They just said a bunch of carrot farmers. A bunch farmers. of carrot farmers. They were trying to be kind of just cheeky, oh, I think. It wasn't like the Dairy Council or something. At first I thought that, but it is a specific brand. And they're just kind of saying it as a way. I think it's another spoof. I see. Of, yeah. I'm kind of surprised that I want Bolt House must be owned by like some mega conglomerate because I can't imagine somebody that's just vegetables yeah that's a good Although, point what do i know about well it's bold house farms what do i know about how big maybe it is, i mean maybe some agri big agribusiness thing like that really does have the money to invest in a big expensive campaign um i'm on their about page but you know this is always going to just going to be a bunch of uh a bunch of i, I think I, I think it's just my own you know naive imagining of farms being like somehow you know, home, you know, like homely yeah. and homely and small. Like, no, it's it's all big business. Yeah, uh, it was founded in 1915 in uh, Michigan, so it definitely started that way. Um, private equity firm Madison Dearborn Partners owned Boathouse from 2005 to 2012 when it was bought by Where's the Bell Campbell Soup Company. That's who owns them now, Viv. The company changed hands. Oh, no. The company changed hands once again in June when Campbell sold it to an affiliate of Butterfly Equity. So it was so... Butterfly uh, Equity. That's right. So Campbell <laughs> was a brand that I knew that owned them uh, for a while, but now it's another equity. Butterfly Equity sounds like a... <laughs> sounds, sounds like an economic theory. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um Last week, we talked about uh, the, or two weeks ago, I think we talked about um, the golden age of TV movies. Yes. And. Oh, I was wondering why this was in here, what it had to do with commercials. Yeah. I was doing TV promos for TV movies from the the 1980s. Yes. And the name Ryan O'Neill came up and you asked who he was. And I was trying to explain how, who he is. And I, I, he's one of those actors that like, I have a vaguely bad feeling about and but I don't have a lot of specific information with which to dunk on him. Mm-hmm. But thank you to listener David because now I do have a very specific way in which to dunk on him. Um in I don't know what year this was. I think it was like in 88 or something like that. Uh Ryan O'Neill was in a movie written and directed by Norman Mailer, what? the author who uh 
made a movie adaptation of his novel Tough Guys Don't Dance. Okay. And this movie was just so panned. Like I was reading these terrible reviews of it. It just it's I mean if you try to read the description of the plot it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. It's like a head is found in the woods, but no one remembers how it got there or knows whose head it is. But then another head is found, but then someone's having an affair, but then they have another affair, but then they're swinging with this couple. I mean, that's like the real plot of the movie. Wow. It's bananas. Isabella Rossellini. It's very mailery. It's like the maileriest. <laughs> um, but in addition, it got it, it got nominated and won a bunch of Razzies, the Raz, the the Golden Raspberry Award. Those are like, around that long. This is from eighty seven, by the way. Yeah, so uh, it's like from like it's like the anti Oscars, basically, yeah. like the worst things. I think that Mailer won worst director that year, and I'm pretty sure Ryan O'Neill was nominated for worst actor. This is such a fantastic excerpt from this movie. It is the worst line reading ever, um, and it's. I'll just set up the scene. Uh, uh, Ryan O'Neill, who's the main hero, main character of the movie, is walking on the like among the dunes at a beach, and he's going to read a letter, and you're going to hear the voiceover of Isabella Rossellini, her very instantly recognizable voice, um, telling him that their her husband is having an affair with his wife, and then the world's worst line reading commences. He, he's walking. He's opening up this envelope that he's holding. He's staring out at the uh, the ocean. He looks down at the letter. My husband is having an affair with your wife. I don't think we should talk about it. Does your pet kill them? Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh, God. Oh, man. I mean, oh, the God. acting isn't oh, great, man. but some of that's oh, on the director, oh, too, I would say. The whole thing is just a total, you know, shit show. show. Yeah. Absolutely. But, oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, I mean, God. The, it's not a good line to write. Mm-mm. It's not a well-directed, um, but it's definitely not well-acted either. By the way, I don't know if you mentioned this, but that was from listener David. Oh, I thought I did. But yeah, Maybe thank you, you to did. listener yeah. David. I zone out sometimes, so I might have just blacked out during that. Um, okay. From listener Paul. Paul sent in a couple of gems this week. Um, did you know <laughs> that Mikhail Gorbachev, last leader of the uh, Soviet Union... Was in a Pizza Hut commercial. I did not know that until this afternoon. Yes, it's been making the rounds on Twitter. And as as Paul said, uh, this passed across my transom on the Twitters. It claims to be authentic, uh, but it is only 49 seconds. Uh, but I did some research into this, and it was covered in the New York Times in 1997 when it came out. This was, you know, 97 was like a fair bit after, uh, you know, the breakup of the Soviet yeah. Union. Um but Mikhail Gorbachev is still around, by the way. 88 years old. Oh, really? Still kicking. Still eating Pizza Hut pizzas? Who knows? Um, he, uh, I think the reason this is only 49 seconds because is that the beginning of it got cut off because the description that I read of the New York Times was that he get, pulls up to McDonald's in a limousine with his granddaughter 
And then people start to recognize him in the McDonald's. Well, that might be. I and you found, don't see the the limousine in this in this edit. Well, this was the Twitter version, but I found the YouTube version, which actually has a countdown and is a full minute long. And oh, okay. It's not a limousine. There might have been different versions, but he's just walking across. Like he's just walking through. I guess the streets of Moscow. Oh, interesting. A, the New York Times described it as him. It might have been a different and... cut. I don't know. Maybe. This is described as the international cut. Everything about it is the same, only it's a, the first 10 seconds aren't cut off. Okay, so. so that makes sense. But anyway, this was a real ad that really aired in the U.S. Now, you can play it. Um, there's a little bit of English voiceover at the end, but it's mostly in Russian and subtitles. So I think you have to... So let's see. So it moves pretty quick. We're going to have to do the subtitles. Um... I think we the, let's describe it first, and I think I'll do the dad's voice. Okay, I'll be the and son, then, and then you be the. Well, how many people are talking in here? I think just the dad. Well, there's the dad, the son, the mom, and Gorbachev. Okay, and I think uh, who it, else can we get in here? What are the cats doing? <laughs> Theo, come here. We need you to act. You won't do worse than uh, Ryan O'Neill. Um, oh God! Oh, oh man! Oh God! <laughs> what if that's oh what man! Theo is saying when he's just crying all the time. <laughs> that's what it sounds is. like. Um, so <laughs> we're going to see Gorbachev and his, I guess his granddaughter walking through the streets of Moscow or something, and they go into a pizza hut, and then we see them kind of in the corner of the restaurant eating, right? And mm-hmm. then this family is also eating a pizza hut, and they start arguing and debating whether or not yes. he was good for the country. And the, the family is made up of, an, of a dad who's, you know, an older guy, his a young adult son, and then the mother, the, the husband. Who will come in at the end. So I'm going to be the dad, you're going to be the son. Okay. Okay. Beauty shots of Moscow. People walking around. It's snowy. Here comes Gorby. His little granddaughter's cute. She's yeah. dressed adorably. They sit down. It's Gorbachev. It is Gorbachev. Because of him, we have economic confusion. Because of him, we have opportunity. Because of him, we have political instability. Because of him, we have freedom. Complete chaos. Hope. Political instability. Because of him, this is the mother. Because of him, we have many things. Like Pizza Hut. Hail to Gorbachev. Hail to Gorbachev. Hail to Gorbachev. Everyone starts doing it. And then, like, the whole city starts saying hail to Gorbachev. I am Gorbachev. I am Gorbachev. I am Gorbachev. (laughs) Good friends, great pizza. I will say this about Pizza Hut. What's that? I know that they are basically garbage food. But any time, yummy it is garbage. So, we eat a lot of pizza. We never get pizza. I think we're in another we're in pizza dead zone. Freaking dead zone. But like it's, you know, we get a pizza from a local company that's called Pudge Brothers that I love. They're not a chain at all. Like I, that's better for the community anyway, and that's really good pizza. Yeah. But every time I see a Pizza Hut commercial, it works on me because all it does is remind me of how mm. much I love, and it also connects me to my youth. Like they yes. did a good job with the Book It program. Of, like, getting kids to read, sure, but also indoctrinating us to, like, equate Pizza Hut with a reward system. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm completely Well, I can't even finish a book without eating, without craving pizza. (laughs) Thanks, Pizza Hut. That's why I get Pizza Hut once or twice a year. (laughs) That joke was especially for you. It took me six months to read a terrible Stephen King book (laughs) called The Dome, and, like, you were just... Anyway, what did you learn about this? Well, this is really fascinating. Um, so Gorbachev really did record, you know, do this thing. And he said he, really? you know, and, and Gorbachev has an interesting legacy. I think in America, he's basically seen 
not without some complications, but essentially seen in a pretty heroic light as having, you know, uh, introduced uh, market reforms and and like opened up uh, Russia, you know, the Soviet Union to a lot more freedoms and perestroika and glasnost and all that stuff, right? Like, do you remember that when that was happening? We were really, we were young kids, but like it was huge. I mean, it was unimaginable. It was like the Cold War was ending and he and Reagan like really, you know, got a lot of credit for that. But um, he did not necessarily, his legacy is not quite as um, golden in actual, in actual Russia, um, so this is from the New York Times. Again, this is like 20, 22 years ago. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev said he was not exactly sure how much he was being paid for the ad, but some reports indicate his fee was close to $1 million. Um, he explained that he badly needed the money to finance his foundation, a research institute that bears his name. Um, and he said that he had declined many other offers to endorse products, but made an exception for Pizza Hut. Yeah, thanks, Book It. Yeah, right. Uh, although the ad was shot in Moscow, there are no plans to broadcast it in Russia. Esteemed in the West as the statesman who ended the Cold War, Mr. Gorbachev is extremely unpopular in Russia, where he is blamed for allowing the Soviet Union to fall apart and for not having pushed reform of the command, command economy far, far enough. So in other words, he's getting, he's it, getting from it from both, both sides, yeah, yeah. right? Like he didn't do enough to make it capitalist. And also he ruined communism. Um, when he ran for president uh, last year, so in 96, um, he won less than 1% of the vote. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, as to why he did this Pizza Hut commercial, he said, I thought that it is a people's matter, food. This is why if my name works for the benefit of consumers, to hell with it. I can risk it. <laughs> That's a good Gorbachev. <laughs> is it? To Gorbachev. To Gorbachev. Hail to, to Gorbachev. Gorbachev. I mean, it's such a Valentine to him, but I think it's so fascinating that like the whole premise of the ad is that like his legacy in Russia is complicated. Yeah. And then it's so complicated that they can't even air it there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to know like what he's up to now. Like where's a we need like a we need like a where is he now piece before he dies. You for I don't think that we should do it. I would leave it to like the Times or NPR. Mm. I feel like that's getting a little far afield of our mission here and after these messages. This is the show where we deconstruct radio commercials that only I hear and that bug me. Right. Okay. Well, I guess you're right. That is a little off mission. <laughs> So I just thought that was fascinating. Um, I love it when I don't know why it bubbled up onto Twitter all of a sudden. You know how mm-hmm. these things go. Like somebody remembers it that bonkers. it exists, and it, it suddenly like sort of catches fire, and yeah. people are interested in it. But it is. I had never. If I ever knew about that, I certainly had forgotten about it, and it really is kind of amazing. One of the things that the New York Times article got into was like. Uh, Gorbachev sort of said like well you know um, this isn't so out of the ordinary other leaders do this and then it was like this is you know well before the Trump era Mm -hmm. you know Um, and so the Times goes to great lengths to say that no one ever does anything Mm -hmm. like that besides him and they're like Dan Quayle did one thing and uh, like George Bush did like George H. George W. Bush would he have already yeah he would have been president by no no H.W. No, H.W. Bush. Somebody did an ad for, like, the Astros or something. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, or maybe it was W, but he was governor. Maybe or that's okay, it. Yeah. 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 Um, and then... Well, uh, yeah. Well, he owned... Well, I don't know. Never mind. Um, no, I think you're right. It would have predated W. So anyway, um, you know, and, like, Bob Dole did something or other, but he didn't ever get elected president, you know? So it's right. like these... And they're basically like, yeah, it's sort of like doing ads is for, like... Has bins and also rams. Yeah, because Bob Dole didn't we start to see? He him? did a ton of ads, yeah, including boner say, pills. Um, oh, that's right. He ended up doing. Wasn't he in a banking one or something? It was actually kind of funny. 
Um, oh, he I did one tell. where he like made some gross joke about Britney Spears that was disgusting. Oh, really? Ooh, I mean, I you know, gross. I mean, it was just like mm-hmm. this sort of like leer. He was like the punchline in a video where I think it was for Pepsi or something where he kind of like leered at Britney Spears. Mm, I wonder if that's this one. Here's a Bob Dole Pepsi commercial here. Just, just walking along a beach with his dog. Hi, I'm Bob Dole. And I've always spoken to you, frankly. Well, there he is with no his matter carrot. what the subject. <laughs> That's why I'm eager to tell you about a product that put real joy back in my life. It helps me feel youthful, vigorous. You know what this is? Did Pepsi lean into the idea that he did Viagra commercials and now... I think this is like a, okay. a reference to that. Because it's, he's on the beach with his Talk dog. Talk about valences. Wow, interesting. Most importantly, vital again. What is this amazing product? My faithful little blue friend. <laughs> You're totally right. Ice cold Pepsi-Cola. Are the revitalizing effects of Pepsi-Cola right for you? Check with your local convenience store counter clerk. And start living again. <laughs> that is amazing. At the end, he does a full bla- backflip. I mean, some some right. uh, that's really poorly stunt coordinated. Extra he, does. He became so associated with one product that then he does another very you know huge national campaign, Pepsi. Yeah, that references his other huge national campaign for boner pills. Wow, that's really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Um, this is also from listener Paul. Um, so do you know you know what a casting call is, right? Yeah, well, you just I mean I guess I've seen them on TV people or I've seen them like portrayed on in TV shows a bunch of people are waiting in a waiting room they go in and then you go it's a fire sale or am I thinking <laughs> of something else? Well, no, I mean that's that's sort of that's part of it, but yeah. it starts with uh, I think what's called a uh I forget what it's called, but it's it start it starts with like something that's posted somewhere where actors go to yeah. look, yeah. you know, and it describes like, you know, for this role we need you know, mm-hmm. uh, men who you know are balding male pattern baldness men, yeah, in, right. from ages thirty five to fifty five, right, something. exactly, yeah. or like you know, uh, tall athletic women, blah blah blah, sure. right. So this is for a casting call that and and. Uh, and this is a little bit adjacent to commercials, but I, you know, this is sort of our, I'm calling this our bits and bobs show because it's just sort of like whatever. Is that an expression or is it because of Bob Dole? No, I, I guess now it is also because mm. of Bob Dole, but I think bits and bobs is a, an expression. Can um, we call the show bits and bob doles? Bits and bob doles. I like it. Good. Um, so this casting agency called Spotlight put out a casting call for a child actor for a, a chocolate bar called Milka. Um, and then they got in a lot of trouble. And I'm going to read to you the basically the entirety of, the, of their casting call. And you tell me why you think they got in trouble. This is for Mia, a character named Mia, uh, who is female, 9 to 11 years old. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. All caps. She must be beautiful and angelic, not over 11, no taller than 4 feet 4 inches. <laughs> She must be sweet and innocent, still a little girl. Eye color and hair color are not important, but no red hair. Wow. She, she can be ages 9 to 12. If she is 12, she must be very small and still be childlike. She Did they just contradict me? I thought it was 9 to 11 in the first sentence. Now it's 9 yeah, to 12. Yeah, but they're saying the actress. I the character oh, is I 9 see. to okay. 11. The okay, actress gotcha. could be 9 to 12. She is very special. She must not have reached puberty. Very pretty, beautiful, sweet, warm, friendly. She must be very experienced, a brilliant actor. Now, this is a description of the little of the character. Mm-hmm. 
Meet Mia. At first glance, nothing special at all, but when you look at her more closely, it's impossible not to notice she's truly remarkable. Small but graceful. Fragile but elegant. Thoughtful. Dark brown eyes. Silk hair with a... Silk soft hair with a smile. No so red powerful hair. it is contagious. Beautiful in her own simplicity. A bright and witty girl with tremendous passion for music. Her favorite song is Heroes from David Bowie. And writing her Whoa. own short story, like diary reading her own short diary like stories. One of her biggest dreams is to travel to the Amazon to help save endangered sloths. What? Her absolute favorite animal. Her favorite color is yellow, sunflower yellow. Yes, because of the plant. One of her obsessions. Traveling all over the globe with her parents before ending up in Lilleberg made her a bit of an introverted person. However, it won't ever stand in the way of her reaching a goal. Mia is a kind, compassionate, and courageous girl. A bit quirky, but brave and proud. A character we can all identify with and feel for. This is for a chocolate bar commercial. Wow. So, and then, they, then there was an addendum because apparently people were like trying out for this role and this is the this is the follow-up i told you no red hair please read the breakdown breakdown that's what these are called um please read the breakdown i seriously wonder what some of you are doing obviously not reading the brief i'm wondering if some of you are making stupid suggestions who are entirely opposite of the brief on purpose once again no taller than four foot four inches no overweight children as this is an advertising for is this is advertising chocolate what? Yeah. So people, is that even legal? I. I mean, I guess this casting world is this very casting world is complicated, but people were freaking out. And then how? I'm sorry. From how long ago was this? I think pretty recently. What? Um, and people were, I think, rightly pretty appalled at some of the language that was used mm-hmm. to describe uh, an like a young female actor. By the way, this was just tweeted about like two days ago, or I'm sorry, like ten, 10 days ago. So people complained to Spotlight, which is this this agency, and they tried to just sort of like tweak the language before they were like, oh shit, we really fucked up. And they pulled the whole thing down and issued this total mea culpa about, you know, we're sorry, like we should never, these were, these like describing these beauty standards for like a nine-year-old is like insane and we apologize unreservedly but the thing about it is it's like this reflects this isn't the problem is not with this language this language is bad but what this language is doing is telling you what's going to happen in the casting room sure you know and that is and like all these actors who are responding to this tweet are like yeah, this is exactly the problem. Like you get treated like garbage and yeah. like a like a completely objectified and like no other job would be allowed to make these kinds of like requirements for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, my these favorite part is kids. no overweight kids, duh, we're advertising chocolate. Yeah. Wow. Um so anyway, it's just kind of an interesting thing and it made me think I know I think I've maybe played this before. But <laughs> it made me like all again this is for probably a 30 second ad for a chocolate bar mm-hmm. and they describe like that's like a whole American girl story novel there you uh-huh. know like that story they told and it reminds me so much of that scene from Party Down where Constance is describing her role as a hooker <laughs> you owe me 10 bucks for what? Beretta Prop Gun season 1 I was right pay up this doesn't prove anything they called him Beretta because he was Italian his name was Beretta not because he had a Beretta where did you get this? souvenir I had a line on the show. Looking's free. Touching'll cost you. You played a hooker on Beretta. I played an inspiring musician. 
who says touching will cost you? Sounds like a hooker. She was a young musician who was turning tricks to pay her bills because her abusive boyfriend had taken her life savings. I thought you said it was just one line. You see, that's the challenge, to create this complex character with a single line. What was your character's name? Hooker. <laughs> so good. That's the challenge. You're Mia. You travel to the Amazon. <laughs> yeah, right. You're obsessed with sunflowers. And sloths. You're introverted, and you love sloths. Uh, right. you, you love the color yellow. And your only line is... I love chocolate. <laughs> I like chocolate. <laughs> I'm skinny and I like chocolate. So anyway, it's kind of an interesting glimpse into what is probably a very terrible world. And I mean, extra upsetting to think about is like the the child who was being brought mm-hmm. in for this role and this casting call, the children who are being brought into that, like that's the world they're being yeah groomed for groomed for yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it really then, makes you kind of terrified and not to get them. gross but then you think of like young women who go and then what they're subjected to yeah um just terrible so all right uh moving on uh listener eugene um we played a couple of his spots a couple of weeks ago we were asking <laughs> i think a listener listener michael maybe asked other ad counselors if they've ever been in commercials themselves before and listener Eugene said I I've made these commercials and I've been in them and it was a series of um uh commercials for the South Dakota lottery right. that he made with some other I think friends and colleagues pretty low budget and they were Star Trek themed um there were two of them this first one is 30 seconds long and there's um like three star trek characters obviously mimicking some of the famous star trek characters and of course off screen the wiener wrangler oh that's right a wiener wrangler was involved as well they're sitting in a uh, really really dumpy car these star trekkers this mission is the utmost importance we must sneak into the neutral zone to get the new star trek that's eugene south dakota lottery captain klingons off the port side fire photon torpedoes here comes the wiener (gasps) engage beam into your nearest lottery retailer for a chance to win up to twelve thousand dollars with the new star trek scratch ticket captain go without me then at the very end we see a red shirt who is stuck in his shirt is stuck in the car the uh, motorcycle man who's a klingon is getting close and anyway we had a bunch of questions about this yes and i also made some very bad and wrong uh statements about some star trek things okay well hopefully this will clear it all up did you already see this email um your first question was how did they get the rights to use star trek actual branding and I, i as i suspected if the south dakota lottery had made some agreement with star trek to sell these star trek branded scratch tickets they must have had some sort of you know licensing agreement and eugene says that the lottery did have the rights from paramount pictures to use the classic uniforms and props um the the terrible (laughs) car as he describes it the POS car was a Pontiac. The Star Trek license plate, S-T-R-T-R-K plates, were off of my Mustang. Those were actually his license plates. Yeah. Who better to do this commercial? Well, that's why I think it, you know, he, he, he became the, such uh, a yeah. pivotal uh, element in it. Uh, he says, in classic Trek series, gold shirts represent command and operations. Blue was medical or science. Red was engineering or security. And a reminder, Scotty was a red shirt. 
because we're talking about the significance yeah, of red shirts being wrong. killed. Uh, and then finally, the second commercial, which we uh, I didn't play here, but I noticed it was a weird time. It was like long and it wouldn't seem to fit on broadcast. It says the second commercial was released only on the internet. I don't remember who the guy with the tricorder was, but he cracked me up with his deadpan look. I loved listening to this again on your podcast. Kudos. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate it. That sounds like a very fun adventure in commercial making. That's right. Okay. Uh, did you see this one or do you want me to introduce this one? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I guess this, this is just a, a quick little button to end on. Jen just sent us this email and says, this is a quick commercial for auto repair and it cracks me up every time. Enjoy. And we see a woman. Um, she's This is a 15 second commercial. I'll describe it ahead of time. We see a woman. She's leaving the grocery store carrying a big bag of groceries. She accidentally bumps uh, a grocery cart, which goes sailing and then slams right into her car. Oh, fix auto. The first word. <laughs> right as she's about to swear, the spoke uh, the scene cuts to a spokesman standing in the garage, and it's for something called fix auto. So let's play it again. Oh, fix auto. The first <laughs> words that should come to mind after an accident. And that's it. He just stares at the camera awkwardly for an extra for a couple extra seconds. I swear I've seen this before. I have never seen that. For I've it's definitely good, have right? noticed it. It's great. It's uh, the awkward editing is clearly very knowing and yes. intentional. And yeah. I and I love the transition from her saying fix, and he he leans into it as well. So he doesn't he doesn't just pick it up at fix. He he picks it up at. Right. Fix. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good editing. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's a real triumph of editing. 15 seconds really done right. You mentioned totally. earlier, there aren't a lot of, or maybe it was last week, uh, there aren't a lot of jingles out there these days, but there are ways to get your brand just known. And like, I think that fix auto mm-hmm. can really stick in your head, if yeah. you, especially if you had a series of those. They, should, you, they yeah. should absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of ways you could play that out. And I think that would be a great, great little campaign. Uh, do you have any, actually, how long have we been going? Do you know what time it is? Uh, it's a jingle time. Head council, it's jingle time. How did you know? Just instinct? Just instinct, and that I have the show sheet open. Right. Okay, it is indeed jingle time. Um, and this is where we play your voicemails when you call our voicemail line. Again, the number is 607-444-5597. Singing jingles that are stuck in your head. And this one is from Eamon. Hi, my name is Eamon, and I'm from Texas. And um, I keep thinking every time I go to Starbucks about this jingle they used to play on TV when they first started selling the little bottled frappuccinos um, in stores. And so uh, here it goes. Glenn, 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 Glenn. Glenn, 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 Glenn's a man going to work, got his tie on, got a mission, he knows one day he might just become supervisor, <laughs> and then they talk about the Frappuccino. Yay. I re- I remember that so fondly. That was actually I love that. Uh, I remember that that campaign, and I loved it. I, I have, and she did a wonderful yeah, job. Yeah, great voice. job, Eamon. I have a full minute version here, and I 
I got something to say about this, um, but let's play the whole thing. So we start by seeing um, Glenn in the morning. He's in his own um, apartment making some coffee. He's going to be shaving in the mirror. And we actually see, of course, that song is Eye of the Tiger by the band Survivor, right? right. Famously from one of the Rocky movies. And I believe it's also based on the Weird Al Song, Weird Al Yankovic song Ryer the Kaiser yes, Which I believe Came out first That's right And then Rocky's like We should do a version of that Which is how I think It happened Anyway So in this commercial We actually see The band Survivor Playing Behind him In the mirror While he's shaving On the bus corner while he's waiting for the bus and this band survivor is like following him around the city as he heads to work. Double shot espresso drink. Bring on the day. I love it. It is great, but who ripped off who? This is exactly like that series of Geico ads. And yes, I feel it like feels this feels like came, a Geico ad. I feel so like much. this one came first because there are a whole bunch of Geico ads where, like, I don't want to use the word has been because it's cruel, but let's say has been acts <laughs> would appear in somebody's lunchroom singing. I can't remember. That was, um, I don't think that was survival. Somewhat Acts that are somewhat past their peak of their glory. Right. What was the lunchroom one? I, was that also Survivor? Was it, or was it, um, it wasn't Journey. It had something to do with uh, Microwave, right? Yeah, maybe it was Journey. The final countdown. This was the Geico commercial right. where somebody's trying to heat up a burrito or something in their in their. Uh, Who does final l- countdown? Um, hold on, let me look that. You look that up while we play this. Standing in front of the microwave, suddenly there's a band in the lunchroom. Europe. Europe. While this guy's waiting for his hot pocket to finish cooking. you're the band Europe, you love a final countdown. It's what you do. I agree that they are uh, very reminiscent of each other. I'll make this point about the Starbucks ad, which I think is honestly superior to the the Geico one, although I like the Geico one. And I believe came first. Yes. I think um, the, the other things, other companies have done this. What's the one I like about the wrinkled shirt? Oh yeah. Um, there's one where like a guy like has a wrinkled shirt, and they they like reca- they rewrite a '70s rock song to uh, to be about his wrinkled shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about the Starbucks ad is that it it is a parody, so it's like more about Glenn. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. a it's not just a cover. It's not just just the band singing um, "Eye of the Tiger." They change the lyrics. They change right. the lyrics, and I like that clearly. This is all happening in Glenn's head. Like uh, in yeah. the in the Geico commercial, everyone can see that the band is there, and they're like they're not really reacting to it, but they're not oblivious to it. 
Glenn's thing is happening fully in his head because no one else can mm-hmm. see this band, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's fully Glenn, like having, like pumping himself up. Like they're behind him on the bus while yeah. he's riding the bus. At one point, they're all walking down the street and they're pushing the drummer's huge set. Right. On they're, a I mean, you know, they're they're really there in the in the scene, but they are not there mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. And like you, when Glenn strides off the elevator at the end, like that's been Glenn doing his pump up yeah. speech to himself, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I just think it's and, a, and it's a more effective Geico concept. one is more like literal everybody. Just, it's just the, sort of surreal. You just have a bunch of g- grumpy looking people right. like looking around. They're just trying to get through their coffee break. So this is for bounce dryer shoes. But they only see his wrinkles. He's got to play it cool to seal the deal. Better find a way to smooth things over. If only Harry used some bounce to dry. love this commercial I so love this much. commercial sometimes I think to myself I would be less wrinkly and winning at life <laughs> um, by the way that song is called Your Love by a band called The Outfield I would I would have guessed it was one of those like they must be if some you told big one hit wonder Europe or any band named after a location yeah, I would have guessed that totally. um, anyway Eamon thank you so much great for sending job. that in great job you can sell All right, I know we gave it out a lot today, but I'm going to give it out again. 607-444-5597. You're all ad counselors, but now it's time for you to step up and do the duties of an ad counselor and contribute to the show. Because the more you talk, the less I have to. You said duties. I said duties. You can email us at afterthesemessagesshow at gmail. That again, uh, in case you've been emailing the wrong one, <laughs> double check. Just check check to make sure it, that you are emailing after these messages show at Gmail. And come visit us at the Facebook group. It's great to see you all there. I'm loving all the conversations. I'm loving the sort of uh, tangential things that people are bringing to this because I think it's a great space to talk about marketing more generally. And uh, I love seeing what people are thinking about. All right. Well, thanks, Veeves. I, I think this is a market improvement over last week's debacle huh. of a show. Last week was a little loose. <laughs> last a week little loose. Going for it or going against it, maybe. All right, everybody. It's my duties to wrap up the show now. So we will talk to you <laughs> next Tuesday. Oh, dip is he's once again back again with the caravan of Manzas from Pakistan. Karachi Posse Zaki's poppy. Uh, Red Octagons couldn't stop me. I burn headband. My eyes all droopy.